Reopening your restaurant comes with great responsibility. Are you doing everything you can to keep your staff and guests safe? With Trust20 certification, you and your guests can feel confident you're doing everything you can to keep everyone safe. Trust20 is home to the new standard of restaurant safety and consumer comfort. By becoming a Trust20 certified restaurant, diners will know the practices you follow to create a safe and healthy environment. Have confidence you're going above and beyond minimal requirements. Have comfort knowing your practices have been independently verified. To learn more, visit trust20.co. That's trust, the number 20.co. Trust 20 restaurants have access to a suite of resources that include expert-led training in four key areas, individual consultants, communication material, and signage. Visit trust20.co and tell them you heard about them on Nashville Restaurant Radio. Trust 20, partnering with you to keep everyone safe. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host, and we are back, baby. Two weeks with no new interviews, and we are back with a good one today. Mr. Kerry Bringle took an hour out of his time to really help me understand what the heck is going on with our city. So Kerry's written a couple of pretty healthy op-eds where he blasted the mayor um, for the 34% tax increase that we were going to be taking, and then... The week before last, Dennis Ferrier came out with an article saying that there was emails that were suppressing the counts of COVID-19, and he wrote another call to action, and I just wanted to talk to him to break it down for me, because there's so many things going on here that I think that you hear a couple different sides, and I just, I really wanted to talk to him. So this is an effort to inform everybody out there. And if you know what's going on, this is a in-depth view of Kerry's take. So Kerry's been very outspoken. He's not super far left. He's not super far right. This isn't a partisan thing that we're talking about here today. I feel like this is just a guy who loves his city. And this is the way he knows how to stand up for his rights. And I just wanted to share it. So this isn't a... This isn't a I just wanted to to learn. So if you are out there and you disagree with what Carrie is saying, uh, awesome. More power to you. I love that. And if you are somebody in the restaurant industry who disagrees, or if you're somebody in the mayor's office, somebody who's really intimate knowledge, message me. I would love to have you on the show, and I'd love to hear your perspective as well. This isn't a, I'm not trying to, to sell his narrative. If you have a, a whole other side of this, or you want to re some of the things that he says, message me. Send me an email at brandon at nashvillerestaurantradio.com and I will set it up and we will do this exact same interview with you on our show. Um, This interview was meant for anyone who wants to learn in plain language about what's going on in our city. That's it. You don't want to have to read pages and pages of stuff. You want to hear one interview to break it down as to why our city is broke, 
Some would say our city is broken. Hopefully this interview finds you and you get this you end this interview and you're educated. I have to apologize for myself. This is on a Friday afternoon. We we recorded this and my language is not the best. Um, <laughs> I drop a couple words. I typically don't. I'm so excited to be back. We have got a huge couple of weeks coming up. This Wednesday, we will have um, the Nashville scene has a new cookbook called Nourish, which is just a bunch of local chefs with their uh, recipes. So we're going to be interviewing Patrick Rogers and Megan Sealing. Selling? Sealing? I'm sorry, Megan. I will learn it when we do the interview. Uh, Patrick Rogers, the editor-at-large at Nashville Scene, and Megan Selling, who is a writer, food writer. And uh, that episode will come out on Wednesday. We'll talk all about this new book and catch up with them. Next week, uh, we will have new chef interviews. We are going to be uh, interviewing the owner and president of Christy Cookie to kind of hear their story and see what's going on. So lots of fun things uh, on the horizon. I hope that uh, hope you guys enjoy this one, and please keep the conversation going. Let me know on your uh, on Facebook and Instagram what you think of this. Let's talk about where you're at, and uh, I'm also going to try and post some information, some links to where you can find your your city councilman, city councilwomen, and you can message them and links in order to message the mayor to try and uh, if you'd like to communicate with them you like to ask them some questions, you want to see their voting records, I implore you to go check it out. Reminder, this Thursday at 3.30, we will be releasing the very first edition of the Nashville Hot List, which is going to be our top 10 restaurants in Nashville right now. Delia, Joe Ramsey, and I are compiling this list, and we are going to be releasing the top 10 10 best restaurants in Nashville right now. If you have a restaurant you want to nominate or you see something really cool, put a post on Instagram and hashtag Nashville Hot List. We are going to be uh, putting this out monthly, and our first installment will be this Thursday at 3.30 live on The Roundup. So let's jump in with Carrie, and it's so good to be back. Thank you guys for listening. Here we go. We're here right now with Carrie Bringle, who's the owner of Pegleg Porker. Welcome, Carrie. Yeah, thank you. Thanks yes. for having me back. Thanks for having me back <laughs> in your place. Yeah. We have video this time. Yeah, yeah. So last time we talked, it was March the 17th. Right. St. Patrick's Day and your birthday. Yes. You were the second interview I'd ever done. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of uncertainty. A lot. A lot of uncertainty, and you were gracious enough to, to listen to me ramble on <clears> about <throat> all the things we wanted, I wanted to yeah. talk about this yeah. whole pre-interview. But since that time, um, around that day, they shut down restaurants. Right. On May 11th, they kind of reopened with this phase one thing. Phase three starts October uh, 1st. Right. And a bunch of bullshit has happened in between now and then and you've been a very vocal um opponent i guess would you say opponent you're not a, opponent a, a it, proponent I've been very vocal about the restaurant community about how our city is handling this uh about transparency with our 
city leaders. Yes. Uh, not just on uh, the the COVID uh, responses, but on our thirty four percent tax increase. On everything. Uh, on everything. So. So I read these things. I read you've put out a couple of pretty nice. <clears throat> um, what would you call it, an op-ed? Just like this Yeah, full, full an op-ed on... or editorial or, you know, yeah. sort of letter to my fellow Nashvillians. Or... And you, let's remind everybody who's listening that you are a native Nashvillian. You own the Peg Lake Porker. You have a bourbon. You also have a place in the nations that's under we construction. Just, we just started construction. Fantastic. So, but you yeah. own this building. You are a true yeah. owner Operator, you yes. are a locally owned owner operator for this restaurant, and I think that just to give people context as to what we're talking about, I hear all this stuff, I read all this stuff, and I don't know 100% all the backstory. So I was hoping today we could talk, and you could just kind of as an education to me sure. and my listeners as to what the fuck is going on. Yeah, I'm happy to. So, like you said, I'm a native Nashvilleian. I was born and raised here in Nashville. Been here all my life, except for when I was in school and then I moved to Memphis briefly after school. Uh, I started the Peg Lake Porker. Uh, I, I own it a hundred percent. Me and my family. We own our real estate. We own the real estate in the nations where we're about to build. We don't have any backers. We've got no investors. We have no partners. So um, <clears throat> I'm as I'm as local as you're going to find and as uh, you know as true of a operator as you're going to find and so anything that i do affects affects me affects my staff directly there's nobody telling me to make this decision because they feel like it's right from an investor standpoint this is it's you this is me yeah. uh, same with our spirits company uh, one of the few in the state that's independently owned and personally financed so i look at these issues and i take them very personal because uh, they affect me 100%, and I don't have anybody to fall back on. If, if we go under, I lose everything that I have. My employees are all out of jobs, and so it's not, I can't go back to an investor and go, hey, can you give me more money, or can you help me make it through this? Everything falls on us. Oh, yeah. And so, um, because of that, I'm very mindful of what's going on in our city, how it affects us, how it affects me personally, financially, and how it affects my employees financially. Uh, the first thing that I wrote about and, and did a call to action on was our uh, proposed property tax increase. And so Nashville over the last 10 years has had the most prosperous 10 years in our city's history. Um, and unfortunately, our city is broke. Now you can, you, you don't, Nobody blames that on Cooper. He came into that mess. It was already there. Sure. Uh, but everybody expected him to be fiscally responsible and try and solve the issue. But how do we get in that issue? We just, I guess I don't know the answers. I've, I've you have all this massive growth and right. you just, everywhere you go, the traffic, all the, the businesses coming, Amazon's coming to town, Broadway's just packed, our tourism, and you hear these numbers right. in the high billions and you're like, God, we gotta be just like, Finally, we get 440 paved. Like every road should be lined with gold. What's going on? How are we broke? So we had some overzealous uh, leadership in not only in the mayor's office, but also in our city council. Our city council is too big. There's too many members of city council. That makes it very hard to get things done. Uh, we have some charter amendments and laws on the books that make it hard to get things done because city council members cannot meet 
like like you and I are meeting, two city council members can't meet and talk about the business of the city without it being a public meeting. There are there are sunshine sure. laws. Yeah. And so that makes it hard, say, for five council members to come together and work on a budget. You have to have all the council members to come together if they really want to hash out a budget. Otherwise, it's individual council members that will propose a budget and either the city comptroller will strike it down and say it's not viable or he'll accept it and then it can get voted on. Um, we didn't have any great budgets proposed. Steve Glover proposed one that I thought was good. It had a lot of cuts. Um, it had about a 12% property tax increase, but then it, uh, you know, the city comptroller struck it down. So why would they do that? Well, do they, give, do they have to give reasons as to why they strike down a budget like that? You know, I, I don't know what the reasons were to strike down uh, Glover's budget. I think the comptroller felt like it was not financially viable. But Glover seems to be the only one that proposed any cuts. Um, so, you know, the, the mayor says, okay, we're going to have this 32% tax increase. Bob Menendez came in with a budget that's 34% tax increase. And it ends up that was the one that got passed. The, with these overzealous mayors and city council, they gave away property in Nashville at, at record low prices for what compared to what it was actually worth. They uh, gave TIF financing or tax incremental financing to developers and hotels at properties that never should have received it. TIF financing is meant for blighted areas or areas that need, that you want to expand into. And so you offer tax incentives for people to go in and develop those areas so that you build and create a bigger tax base. We gave away TIF financing in, in the heart of downtown in prime real estate. Yeah. Um, why would we, like, so that's a big thing right there. That so is the big question is why. This massive, like this amazing property that everybody wants to be on and you're giving it away with... Yes. Amazing, where they're not paying, or is it, yes. is it, are they paying taxes or is it just an extremely low tax it's rate? paying an extremely low tax rate, uh, or you know, they forego a certain amount of taxes for a certain amount of time in exchange for them coming in and investing 200 million in the property. Um, Which injects 200 million into our economy. Yes, but these people want to be here anyway. Okay. So, the, you know, it's like, uh, um, you know, <laughs> It's like an overzealous ice cream shop owner, and you're hungry for ice cream, and he's the only one in the neighborhood. You're going to get his ice cream. If he discounts that ice cream and gives you a coupon, well, you're going to take it because he offered you a coupon. But if he's the only ice cream shop in the neighborhood, did he really need to offer a coupon, or were you going to come buy his ice cream anyway? I think that's, yeah, that's rhetorical. So, <laughs> yeah. so that, that's kind of what we've done, and then... You know, we have we had a bunch of projects and expansions, but the, the bottom line is we have too many city employees. Compared to a city like Louisville, which is a comparable size, they Very have much. almost half as many city employees as we have. And so we haven't, we haven't done the hard work of cutting the budget. Nashville does not have a revenue problem. We've got plenty of revenue. We have a spending problem. We have benefits that the state doesn't have, our city employees have, our city council has benefits that nobody else in the country has. Yeah. So these are the things that have put us in this hole is that we've spent too much. We haven't budgeted. We, we kicked the can down the road and all these programs were able to give us 
things that we felt we needed or wanted and not have to pay for them until 10 years down the road. Well, it's 10 years down the road and the bill has come due and now it's on, on the Nashville citizens and the business owners that, uh, you know, that are weighing the heavy burden of this tax. So the 34% tax increase passed. So that makes sense. Uh, well, it makes sense. It's, it's no, it makes sense. We expect more we, from how we our got leaders. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense on how we are where we are. Yeah. Um, we never should have been in this position. No. We should have cut spending and we should have had a balanced budget. And Tennessee has always done that in the past. And so this is really a departure from what we have done fiscally, you know, years ago um, when we had somebody like Bredesen in. Um, so does the coronavirus, when this thing hits and we've got, when he shuts the whole city down in March around this time we did our last interview, this 32% increase he proposed was to bail us out because we didn't have the economic boom from the coronavirus, right? So we were already broke. With coronavirus, it was making us more broke. Gotcha. The estimation was we were gonna fall short $200 million on sales tax revenue. That was the projection from the mayor's office. Turns out their projection was off by $100 million. That's it. And we find that out after the taxes increase is passed. And when you go back and you ask the mayor's office and the city council, well, now that we know that this was off by $100 million, do we roll back that tax increase to something more reasonable, like a 20%? And the answer is no, we're not going to. And they still have not explained why they're not going to, other than they gave raises with this tax increase, they didn't cut the budget, and so they've just spent more money. Like everybody else is furloughed. Yep. Everybody else is not working, but not one of them not was furloughed. Not one Metro employee was furloughed. And the fact of the matter they is- They got raises. There are as many as 4,000 of them that do not have access to the systems that they need to do their job, yet they're still sitting at home and getting paid. Wow. We can't afford it. It's, it's not a matter of Hey, we want to keep, everybody wants to keep everybody employed. The problem is we can't afford it. And the thing is, if I've got $100,000 in the bank here at my restaurant and my payroll is $50,000, you know, and then I've got 50,000 in overhead a month, I've got to make a choice to cut that payroll or I will be out of money in 30 days. That's the hard choice that I have to make on a daily basis. Our city needs to be making that choice. Unfortunately for a city government that can run a deficit, you know, they just say, well, we'll spend it and you know, we'll figure out how to get it back later. And that's what they did with this tax. And so my call for a, uh, to stand against this tax was a call that is not a partisan one. This affects every Republican and every Democrat in our city. Mm -hmm. uh, this affects from the rich to the poor. Everybody is affected by this tax increase. And uh, except for the big corporations that struck deals that would exempt them from this increase. So that's where we have a big problem. Before this COVID ever hit, before the talk of this tax increase ever came about, our state comptroller sent a letter to our city comptroller threatening to take over our city's finances and put us into receivership. 
The state, I'll give you an idea. The state has $2 billion in debt across the entire state of Tennessee. Nashville has $4 billion in debt. Just Davidson County. Wow. Just our city. So if you want to know how lopsided and how unbalanced it is, that's what we're looking at. We have twice the debt that our entire state has just in Davidson County. We got a soccer team. It's, it's a problem. <laughs> so it's a problem. And, and um, you know, if we can't afford these things, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be buying them. Uh, so that was my first letter, and I got 99.5% positive feedback from it. I did get some pushback. And, you know, they, I, I, I would guess that some of the, a lot of the pushback that I got was probably coordinated. Um, what, and, what was the pushback? What would people come back at you and say? What were the negative people? You're rich. Uh, you can afford it. You just don't want to pay your fair share. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I would answer that question with, uh, do I want to pay more taxes? Hell no. Why the fuck would I want to pay more taxes? I mean, I, I don't, I'm not getting incrementally more services for that. Uh, I got some people that said, you know, oh, you're in the gulch and you get your money that you pay in taxes stays in the gulch. That's, a, that's not accurate. We have what's called the Gulch Business Improvement District. We actually pay more taxes. So does the Downtown Business Improvement District. We pay more in taxes. That extra amount that we pay in taxes stays in our neighborhood. And the rest goes into the general fund just like everybody else's taxes. Sure. So that's a misnomer if anybody tells you that, hey, we're getting a better benefit. Uh, some people said, well, you benefited from the city you know, developing the gulch. Let me make it very clear. The city <laughs> did not develop the gulch. Uh, the city let the gulch lay barren for tens of tens of years. Um, private investors developed the gulch. The city tagged onto it once it was already in development and has benefited from the incremental tax revenue that it's generated. We now have over 2,500 homes down here. Yeah. So that's a whole nother tax base that was not here uh, before private investment made the Gulch happen. And it's restaurants like yours and the companies that have come in and created businesses that draw all of that other stuff. I mean, absolutely, it's you're creating part of the you are what has created the Gulch. Absolutely. I mean, it's restaurants not like just yours. me, but several uh, yeah, like other people. restaurants and the, the different yeah, restaurants, retailers, mm -hmm. hotels. 100%. And so we've made significant investments in here, um, and and due to that, we've drawn a lot of business and a lot of dollars, uh, which creates tax revenue, sales tax, uh, you know, um, liquor tax, uh, liquor tax, sure, payroll tax, everything. We've created personally fifty new jobs that didn't exist. So um, my call was one of transparency and to say, hey, look, let's fix the budget. I think that if had Cooper raised the taxes and slashed the budget and said, I've got a plan for in three years us to be out of this hole, then I think people would have, and then, he, and then say, and then at that time we could look at reducing that tax. I think people would have been receptive to that. I honestly do think that most people would have said, okay, if you're showing me a plan where you're going to cut 20% of the workforce from Metro Nashville, you're going to furlough during this pandemic, you know, and you're going to put
put more money into our reserves and fix our budget, then I think Nashvillians would have said, hey, we can live with that. Have you ever seen the movie Dave? I have, yeah. Where he's like the, the actor yeah. gets to be the president? Yeah. Like I was talking to Khalil Arnold yeah. over at Arnold's, and he said, I'm just so frustrated that the first thing he goes to is, oh, we got a problem. We'll just, we'll just 32%. We'll just tax everybody. Yeah. And there's a, there's a part of that movie where the guy says, you figure out how to get $400 million. You can keep your damn program for the kids. And he goes, okay. He calls his buddy. Yeah. And they sit down. The CPA, and he's like, and they just sit down and, and, and work through the budget. And they figure, but he created all these, like, do, you, do we need to pay $20 million for yeah. people to feel good about their new car purchase? And he's like, ah. You want to tell kids they can't live at home because of that? Like, yeah, we didn't see. I, I was waiting to see something like that, where it's like we're going to step outside the box. We'll figure out a way to make cuts it to, for happened. our city to work. Yes, yeah, so it hasn't happened, and I think that's the frustration that people have. Yeah, nobody is putting in the hard work to sit down, get into a room, and fix it. I don't care if you have to televise it. Televise it. The people need to understand and, and be aware of how their money is spent because ultimately it's our money. It's not our government's money. It's our money. And so, um, you know, I got some resistance, and, and that's, you know, that's what happens. You put yourself out there, and you're going to get some shit. Absolutely. Uh, that's okay. Uh, so the next letter that I, that I wrote was about the COVID. You know, we had some emails come out the other day. This was just... We, Weekend before last. Weekend before last, we had emails come out that showed that the numbers were being manipulated and suppressed. Now, uh, the news report that came out said just that. Unfortunately, the social media for that network pushed the words cover-up. Yes. It never was mentioned in the story. It never said cover-up in the story. Their social media said cover-up. A lot of people think that story has been retracted. It has not been retracted. So let me make that very, very clear to people who have posted this on my timeline multiple times. Do you retract you're your statement? About a, you're talking about a fake news story, blah, blah, blah. Do you retract your statement? No, I do not. The story was never retracted. The fact that they called it a cover-up was retracted. They apologized for calling it a cover-up. That's right. That's all they did. They apologized for calling it a cover-up. Didn't retract the story. So Dennis Ferrier released this last Thursday night right. in Fox 17. Yes. And the and to be fair to Ferrier, and to, you know, he never said cover-up in his story. And the national news media that took it and ran with it used the words cover-up. Yes. So the national news media took it and ran with it without really watching the whole story and understanding that Ferrier never said cover-up. Uh, he said misleading and suppressed, which if you read the emails, you will come to that conclusion very quickly. Um, if you watch the press conferences. So the emails said 22 cases total in bars and restaurants, 19 in bars, three in restaurants. Think about this. For three cases traced back to restaurants, we reverted back to 50% capacity. So we put our foot on the neck of an entire industry over three cases. Now, when they, the, the number was 22 in the emails. When he had his press conference, he said 30. And then a few days later, he said 80 cases. So they have, don't let anybody tell you they hadn't misled with the numbers or manipulated them 
to, to fit the narrative they have. And I've seen other emails that show how they were trying to get influence from people to back their strict health guidelines. Well, and they were they... trying to find influencers to get behind them to back their strict health guidelines. But what do they gain from that? Like, what do they, if he closes all the bars, is he just pissed off at Steve Smith and wants to show him because he's been a vocal opponent of it? Or like, Steve is... Smith's suing him. I mean, yeah, so, I mean, but look, I mean, I, I don't know what, I don't know what the end game is. This is not a, I hate Cooper type thing. So this is, don't make this illness political. You keep saying that you want to base this on science and off the advice of the health department. Okay. The science was not there to shut the restaurants back down to 50%. It was not there to shut all the bars down. So uh, it just wasn't there. They showed 1,251 cases on construction sites and took no active measures against those sites. So now, <laughs> two days after the story aired, they have come back and said, oh, it was a clerical error. There were only 251 on construction sites, not 1,251. Oh, so, extra one in the number. And 1,000 extra cases. Don't forget, we just learned that the state kept 13,000 cases on their books as active that were not active, had not been active for, I think, 60 or 90 days. That era just came out. So when we talk about transparency and we talk about truth in government um, and following the science and following health guidelines, if our CDC, if our local health department, and if our state department, state health department, are all making these types of errors, I mean, this is supposed to be a crisis pandemic. Not saying the virus is not real, it's very real. But when we can't trust their numbers and they keep coming back and saying, oops, that was a clerical error, these numbers ought to be checked by 10 people before they ever go out the door. We need to know that they're exact. The public is counting on these agencies to give us the most accurate information possible. We're talking about tens of not hundreds of millions of lives that are being affected. We're oh, talking yeah. about billions of dollars in economic disaster that's happening because of this. And we deserve to know exactly what the numbers are as accurately as possible. We need to know real cases versus probable cases versus in contact with. Uh, you know, the way that our state and our city has been counting uh, infections is if you go and you get a positive test, that's counted as one. If you go back a week later hoping you're going to get a negative test and you get another positive, that's now counted as two positive cases. Even though there's only you, the one person, infected. Why, but why do they do that? They, they, you know, this is the way we don't, we don't know. We don't know what's happening. That's... That's the frustration is that the numbers are so all over the place and everywhere uh, that it's, it, it's very frustrating for the general public to try and get a handle on exactly what is happening and where. And because of that, it's made them scared to go out and that's affecting our business. Whether we open up for 75% or not, we may still only be at 50% because the public is scared. 
They well, don't, they're not, not getting bars. They're not getting information that they can rely on or that they are confident is correct. Hey, that's the thing that confuses me is I just go, I don't understand. Like you almost think that they would want to say that there's less cases so that we can, I don't know, is it a, if we create a fear, then people won't go out and we'll stop it? Do you think they're just genuinely trying to, I, like, that, I'm just talking, I'm not trying to create some kind of narrative, I'm just saying, no, 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 no. like, I don't know the answer to this. I, I don't think anybody knows the answer. You know, and a lot of people say, well, why would he want to intentionally keep businesses closed? I don't know, you know, Brandon. I, I can't give you an answer to that. I think that when the national news had video footage of Broadway with people not wearing masks and it looking like it was a super spreader neighborhood, um, I think our mayor was embarrassed about our city. When the New York Times wrote an article saying Nashville is going to be the next super spreading no, location. No, they called us No Maskville. Yeah, No Maskville. Yeah. I think he was embarrassed, and I think he felt like it was hurting our city's reputation. Um, as a result of that and his policies, we're the slowest growth recovery in the country. So um, it hurts us as business owners. It hurts my employees whose hours we've had to cut. Uh, it hurts all around. And um, so I've just tried to shed a light on that and say, hey, look, we need to come together as a city. Republicans and Democrats need to come together. Uh, all business owners and private citizens need to come together. And we need to be rational about what we're doing. And we need transparency with what's really going on so that we can get back open for business. I mean, it, this, is a, this is the type of thing that can last. It can linger for six to 12 months on the business side if we can't start ramping up quickly. When we talked on March 17th, you said in Memphis in May this year, we've got this, this, and this. Did you have any idea on March I, 17th I that we'd be it, here? I thought at the time it would last six weeks. Yeah. And remember, we were told by all of the government agencies, give it two weeks, stay at home, we'll flatten the curve, and we'll be good. Yeah. It's gone from flattening the curve, which we have done, to now you need to stay at home indefinitely. You need to cover indefinitely. You, we need to wait for a vaccine. Do you want to take a vaccine? It just got jammed through the FDA. I, you know what? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 it all depends on who it is and what it is and the whole thing. With like, the numbers that they've given you so far and how inaccurate they've been and how many mistakes they've made, do you feel confident in a vaccine? I, I can't. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I feel confident. I'm so confused right now by sure. just kind of everything, which is a major reason why sure. I want to talk to you because I think that you're, you, you seem to have a pretty good handle on this as somebody who's all in. Yes. Look, you just said it. I'm all in. There's nobody else behind me. I'm, no. This is my company. This is my business. Yes. I own the dirt. Like, yeah. I'm all in. And when somebody's doing this, you've been very vocal. And I just... I wanted to talk to you and kind of go, tell me the, I want to just learn. And I want people that are listening that don't quite understand all the nuances yep. to kind of go, oh, I see why he's so pissed off. Yeah. I get it. So our city's broke. I'm pissed off about that. It shouldn't be. Yep. Our leaders have not done their job in creating a balanced budget. Uh, in fact, with the COVID response money, uh, today, the, I guess I think the Speaker of the House 
sent a letter uh, to the city comptroller that they're going to do an audit of how the city has spent their COVID relief money. Because, you know, according to Governor Lee, the city got $96 million, I think, but somewhere between 90 and 120 million. And they've only spent 5.6 million to help business out of that much money. Now we bought $25 million worth of laptops for kids who were supposed to do online remote learning, but 20% of those kids had never even logged in. So, you know, it's, I get it. There's needs everywhere. We want to try and take care of everybody. But let me tell you, if you don't take care of the economic engine of Nashville, then the city will cease to exist. We will be gone. Uh, we have to put our house in order. We're already broke. The longer we stay closed for business, the more broke that we'll be. Now, people look, you know, can look at me and go, well, you just want to be open and damned everybody's health and you just want to make money. Well, I didn't get into this to not make money. Let me make that clear. I've got all of my employees want to be working and they want to be at their full-time hours so that they can feed their family and take care of their families. And so if you want to call that greedy or tell me I'm being reckless, uh, feel free. But I tell you, we're losing a lot of people to suicide and to drug overdoses because they're in such despair about the economic position that they've been put in uh, due to this whole thing. And a lot of my critics, uh, you know, have said, well, we just need to stay closed and blah, 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 blah. A lot of those people are backed by multi-multi-millionaires uh, or billionaires, and they've got the luxury of still getting paid while they're shut down. And so, you know, to those people that are still getting paid and want to remain completely closed, good for you that you're in that position, but you don't speak for me uh, who doesn't have that luxury. Uh, so if we don't generate business, not only do I not get paid, my employees don't get paid, I have to furlough again, and that affects 50 people plus their entire families. So um, it's, a, uh, it's, it's a reality, that is the reality. What can we do? Uh, you know, I think you've got to be vocal with your city council member. You've got to be vocal with the mayor. You've got to keep pressure on them. I'd say pressure the state. The only thing that I feel like will get us out of the economic hole that we're in, and this is my opinion again, is if the state comptroller comes in and puts the city in receivership and renegotiates the deals, takes us back to the drawing table, sits down with the city, works out a budget that's livable, works out cuts that are livable, and uh, move us forward. They have the power to do that. We as a city don't have the power to renegotiate contracts that have already been signed. So one thing that we've done is there's, I don't know the guy or what it is, but there have been enough signatures have been created, enough signatures that they are going to put on the ballot. Yes, a charter amendment. Charter amendment. Yes. To repeal the 34% tax yes. increase and put something in place that the you couldn't get more than two percent and without a referendum or without a vote from the people from the people the election commission is voting on putting that on the ballot right now as we speak they may have already made the vote i don't know but it's happening today the mayor has already tried to subvert this the city council is already positioned to try and subvert this they don't want it to happen because we're already spending the money 
The, we, the, the tax bill haven't come in. The tax money has not come in. It won't come in until February. We've already spent it. We're already spending it right now. And so they know that if this rollback happens, we're not only going to be in the bad position we were in six months ago, we're going to be in an even worse position. We will really be in a, be in a hole that Nashville has never seen. So the, the, thing that, the thing to do before that, <laughs> before that vote, would be for the mayor and the city council to sit down, slash the shit out of the budget, start making massive cuts, and furlough employees and get this train back on the tracks. They still have not, you know, as of last time I checked, which was a few days ago, had not released the August sales tax revenue numbers. But they, or they haven't publicly announced them, let me say that. If you go and look on the website, we had a 2% increase, I think it was 1.96 increase in sales tax revenue this August from last year, even in the middle of this crisis. So the sales tax crisis was never what it was painted to be. Um, and, and they need to go back to the drawing board and, and fix this budget. And it sounds easy, it's not easy, but it's gonna take a lot of hard work or else we're gonna be in a really shitty spot. And, and what I don't like, and one of the ways that they're trying to subvert the vote on December 5th, is that they're saying, we're gonna have to cut 500 police officers. We're gonna have to cut teachers. 450 firefighters. We're gonna cut your teachers and your librarians. That is typical scare tactics in a political game, all right? Unfortunately, they're playing a political game. This is our lives. So this is the lives of every Nashvilleian that's being affected. And it's not a game, it is reality. Well, so what is the, so if math doesn't lie, and we're in a really bad shape. They've already spent the money. If he doesn't get the tax revenue, right. although it's a, you said it's a scare tactic. Like I listen to that as a normal, just a, a everyday going around town talking to people. Like I hear that and I go, oh shit! I don't want the fire. I don't want like the fire. I don't have half the firemen around town. I don't want to sure. lose five hundred police officers, and I certainly don't want to lose. I don't want teachers to make less money. I don't want all the libraries to close. Like, we can't do that. If he's already spent that money, is that, if that's a scare tactic, will that not happen? No, they don't have to cut those essential workers. No, we've got a whole bureaucracy of employees on the city budget. We have pensions that have been promised that we can't afford. We've got multiple areas that can be cut. So the scare tactic is, I'm gonna I'm gonna fire the people that you need the most, Got but it. I'm gonna leave these folks intact that are part of the bureaucracy where we may have five people doing the job of one. I mean, listen, that's the shit classic, we gotta get under control. This is classic political bullshit. It is, you know, hey, wait a minute, why do you have to cut police and firefighters? Who, what other metro employees are you cutting? What are you doing about the pension? What are you doing about the lifetime health care benefit for the city council members? I mean, so what are you doing about the tax revenue that you're not collecting from hotel developers that you should have been? So if that happens, then surely the state is going to come in and put us in receivership. They'll have to. So, you know, people are like, well, this was so extreme by the citizens. I told somebody last night, this is the poison pill that the citizens of Nashville are shoving down the throat of our city council members 
for the way that they went extreme to the other direction. So when they went extreme with a 34% tax increase, the citizens of Nashville said, we can go extreme too. We'll limit it to 2%. Now, the truth is that we probably should have landed somewhere in the middle, but nobody was willing to do that work. And that's the problem. Hmm. Well, this has been very eye-opening for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. A I'm not a, I don't want to be a political pundit. I, I'm, I am a, I just want to be active in my community and I want us to have a healthy community. I voted for Bredesen. I voted for, uh, uh, you know, many, many on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, this isn't a partisan argument. It's not a partisan argument. The great thing about Nashville is we've never been that partisan. You know, up yeah. until now, we never really were that partisan. The pendulum was always somewhere in the middle. A little leeway on both sides, but somewhere in the middle. We had rational mayors. Yeah. We had rational governors. They were moderate. Whether they were Republican, whether they were Democrat, they were moderate. In the last 10 years, that pendulum has swung to a fiscally irresponsible position. Uh, no matter what party you look at it from, it, it, it swung to a fiscally irresponsible uh, uh, way of thinking. That needs to be brought back into the middle. It needs to be corrected. And it doesn't matter whether it's a Democrat, it doesn't matter whether it's a Republican. It's, we need that fiscal responsibility. All of, all of us deserve it. Um, and, and our city needs to right the ship. This tax increase didn't do it. So don't let anybody tell you that this tax increase is the thing that's going to right the ship because it's not. And they've proven by the way that they've spent it that it's not. So everybody in the city is going to have to pay 34% on their property tax. Is this sales tax? Property tax. Property tax. Property tax. Property tax. Um, which trickles down to everybody who lives in everybody, everybody who lives here. And it's, I can't imagine not repealing it. Hearing all of this is going, how would you not do that? I mean, it's not going to take away teachers. It's not going to take away firemen. It's not going to take away your police officers, but people who are making a lot of money on the government might not make as much money if they have to really do the work. Well, we need to, aside from cutting employees, we need to audit our contracts. We need to audit our programs. Where is the waste? Where's the extra spending? How do we look compared to other cities? I can tell you how we look from a fiscally responsible standpoint. We're in damn near last place. We rank with New York and Chicago uh, on our fiscal irresponsibility and our cash reserves. We don't have any cash reserves anymore. So we don't have the rainy day that other cities have. To give you an example, Memphis has got at and it's least... it's raining. Yeah, it's raining. It's, <laughs> it's pouring. It's pouring. Memphis has at least 25% of their yearly operating budget in rainy day funds. Detroit has over 50%, if not close to 75%. Remember, Detroit went into receivership. They declared bankruptcy. They came in, they righted the ship, and now Detroit is in one of the most financially strong positions in the United States. So that's what that process can do for you. Don't, the other argument that you're going to hear is, well, our tax rate was extremely low. And in fact, it was lower than it was 10 years ago. Okay, well, that's fine. But tax rate is irrelevant when you talk about appraisal values and when you talk about real dollars. So, so let me give you a prime example of that. All right. We have close to 12,000 square feet in this building. Um, and uh, right now, my property taxes, are, I think, are at $55,000 a year. Uh, 
the rendezvous in Memphis is probably a similar size building with their event space and upstairs and everything. Both in downtown, both near convention centers, uh, both near sports arenas, um, and, and both we're in the same business. They probably do a lot more revenue than I do, but we're, for all general purposes, we are very comparable. In two comparable cities, their tax bill every year is 18,000. Mine is 55,000. Now our tax rate is, you know, what, 375 or now they've raised it, I think it's 4.1, I forget what the exact number is, so don't quote me on that number. Memphis is almost double with their county and city tax. And so Memphis is up at around seven and a half percent, I think, close to eight on their rate. So there's a prime example of our rate being irrelevant. I'm paying 55,000, they're paying 18,000. Their rate is twice ours because of their appraisal, their value, or their perceived value of gotcha. their real estate. Okay. So they, you know, and then people will say, well, Kerry, you know, you've benefited from your real estate going up in value and your real estate's now worth X number of dollars. And so there you go. That's why you pay more. Well, I understand how taxes work. <laughs> that value is no good to me unless I sell the building, which means I have to take my business and move it. Um, so me selling is not a, that's not an option for somebody that's didn't buy a piece of property to develop it. You know, if you bought a piece of property to build an essential business to serve your community and you're gonna stay there for life, which is what we intend to do, then I shouldn't be taxed like I'm gonna sell it for a high-rise property. So I imagine John Cooper doesn't make it through the next election. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think his- I'll be shocked if he does. His political correct, I feel like right now, I mean, he right. could, he could make a miraculous. Right. He could turn this thing around and just make it happen. Right. Who knows? Right. But will he go? Well, I guess the, the logical next question. I asked Khalil this question after we got done right. talking. Because I said, "So you have a lot of opinions. You seem to be very knowledgeable about all this stuff." Right. Barbecue's fun. It's a hard work. Yeah. What about it? You want? Look, would you? Would you ever vote for him again? No. Would you ever do it? Oh, Why run for mayor? mayor? Oh, no, I don't want to do that. Why not? No, I don't want, listen, I don't like meetings that much. So <laughs> the thought of about 10 to 15 meetings a day makes my skin crawl. I got a business to run, uh, and I like being around people here in my restaurant and feeding them and nourishing them. Uh, but what if, you could, what if you could change this city? What if you could do, if you could make, if you could write that ship that they've so, that the, the Nashville is so fucked up, what if you could come in and fix it and be the savior of this city that you grew up in? That, that all sounds great. That, that's not the reality. If you've ever spent any time up on the hill, uh, you'll understand that the politics are just, it's nothing you want to be around. So is part uh, of this maybe he can't get stuff done because of the politics? Uh, no. Cooper's office is making decisions counteractive to what the advice he's been being given by the business community, by his health department. You know, Paul Kaharski just came out with a story yesterday that, I saw the, you shared that, today. that the health department had green-lighted, you know, for the Titans to play at 25%. And um, he arbitrarily took it down to 10%. Where is the, are we taking advice from the health department or are we making our own decisions? You know, so that's the type of thing. And, and let me 
make this very clear. I don't want John Cooper to fail, okay? So a lot of people want politicians to fail. You know, you got a lot of people that want our president to fail right now. I don't want him to fail. I don't want John Cooper to fail. I want John Cooper to win and to make our city a better place. Absolutely. I don't think he's doing that now. Um, I don't agree with what he's doing. That doesn't mean I hate him personally. It doesn't mean that I want him to fail. I would like him to see the light and see what's happening with our businesses and listen to the community and to the people and say, wait a minute, maybe I got it wrong. Let's do something different and let's try and make this right. He could make it right by the end of his term, um, but that's a choice that he and his administration have to make. How do we as a general public hold him accountable for that? What, you got to continue to call. You got to continue. So if to, I call, I call the governor. If I call the uh, mayor's office, what do I say? This guy's an asshole, and <laughs> I, I'm sick and tired of his bullshit. Like, what do I you say know, to I, them? I think what you need to do is is sit down and define what you think your position is, or what you'd like to see happen. Uh, maybe steps that you think the city can take to do that, and then you know forward that on to your city council person and to your mayor's office. Uh, I think that you need to be active with your city council member and voice to them your, dis, your distaste or displeasure if they don't vote something that you think is going to be better for our community. So, you know, if you've got a city council member that is voting, you know, or deferring to vote to eliminate their lifetime benefit, then I would say you probably have a problem with that. And so voice it. Hey, guess what? You're, you're only looking out for yourself and not for our city. That's not why we elected you in. Either I'm not gonna elect you next time, or if, if this is your last term and this is the way you're voting, this may affect your business down After, the road yeah. afterwards in the fact that I may not wanna do business with you or with your company when you go back to normal everyday life because of the decision that you're making right now. Are you in it to look out for the greater good of Nashville? Or are you in it to look out for yourself? All right, and that's good advice. So, I, I think it's a you lot. Said, no, it's man. Heavy. This it, is a heavy one. It is a heavy one, and I, you know, it's Friday afternoon. Where uh, it's been, it's been a long ass six months, and yes. there's been so much. And I, I was thinking, I've, I haven't interviewed anybody in two weeks. Yeah. Going back, you're my first like interview back from a two week break. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to come back strong. With there's a lot of shit going on. There's a lot of things happening in our city right now, and I just I feel confused. You seem to know exactly what the hell's going on. I wanted to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time <laughs> to just say, hey, this is what it is. I, I love what you're writing out there. I mean, I I know it's got to be hard for you. I mean, just the 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 leadership you're displaying. I know I, one of the things you wrote was we don't have leadership. We have people in charge. Yeah. The leadership that you're displaying to write that stuff and to say the things you are is uh, is awesome, and I appreciate it, and Thank it's you. big. I mean, I Googled Carrie Bringle this morning, and you know what popped up on Google? What's that? Carrie Bringle, and it said net worth. <laughs> like, that's that's the suggested thing that popped up. Because, well, when you put yourself out there yeah. and you say all this stuff, yeah. immediately people go, what's his net worth? Uh, like what? What is he? You can tell what most people have Googled because they want to know about you. So you're putting yourself out there, not caring about that, and kind of going, "Hey, you know, it is what it is." I have. 
I gotta make a difference. And I've been attacked for these opinions. I have been doxxed. I've had people publish my address and my addresses of any properties that I own. Um, you know, it's it's been interesting. Um, I've been told that I'm sitting in Bellmead counting my money and the money that I made off the backs of low-income earners. I mean, I listen, I've gotten it all. You're a cap- I'm, you're not a going to, I'm not reading Reddit anymore because <laughs> I tell you, I did that one afternoon and read about 400 negative comments about me. I think uh, I drank a bottle of bourbon that night. I'm telling you, it was shitty. I don't know how you do it. It's a, you, you know, it. look, it, it's a, I'm a happy guy. I can, I've been through a, a lot worse and I, this stuff, I, I can, uh, it, it, it stinks sometimes, but it's a, if you're going to put yourself out there, you're opening yourself up for that. I would encourage more of my fellow business owners to stand up and take a stand and make a statement on their own. And don't make it one of hate and don't make it one of partisanship and don't make it one that makes you sound ignorant. Think about it. Read it over. Think about it again. Read it over. Think about it a third time. Count to ten. And count to ten and calm down. And if you got a rational point to make and you think you've got some solutions, then voice them. And it, and it, and it more than likely it will be appreciated. I love it. Good news, new place. Give me an update as what's happened with Bringle Smoke and Oasis. We just uh, signed with our contractor. We've got green lights. Uh, we are starting construction and we hope to be open in March of 2021. Nice. So we're excited about that. Just in time for spring. Yeah, we're spring hoping to open. kick it off with a Billy Link crawfish boil straight up from Louisiana. Wow. Well, I again, thank you so much yeah. for doing this. and. Uh, yeah. I, we, I was over here a couple months ago. You filmed yeah. a, a reading a one star, Jimmy's oh, one yeah. star review <laughs> yeah. that is out there right now on our TikTok page oh, for nice. those of you who would like to watch it. Um, but we sat and talked for like an hour in your office, yeah. and I was like, why didn't we record this? Oh, Damn yeah. it. No, so this was good. This is very educational for me, and I appreciate it. Thank you. I uh, hope you have a wonderful weekend, and just thanks for doing this. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Brandon. Have a great weekend. Yeah, man. Big thanks to Carrie Bringle for taking the time to speak with us uh, on a Friday afternoon. I know he's a very busy guy, and uh, he's so gracious with his time for us here at Nashville Restaurant Radio. Just wanted to give a big shout-out and a challenge to you other restaurateurs out there. You know, we mentioned leadership and the ability just to get out there and say what's on your mind. Um, that's just the guy he is, but I challenge you if, you. if you have something on your mind, do the same. If you want to do it on this show, let me know. Uh, send me an email, brandon at nashvillerestaurantradio.com. If you are out there and you have something you want to say, you have a story you want to tell, let me know. And uh, maybe we can get you on the show. We can talk about it together. Thank you guys for listening. We look forward to uh, talking to you on Wednesday. It's so good to be back. I hope that you and yours are being safe. Hope that you're doing well. I love you guys. Bye-bye. Titans are 3-0, baby. Yes!